0: Hello and welcome to The Real Life Sports Show. This podcast is for sports fans and people playing sport, anyone interested in sport basically, whether that's watching it, playing it or competing at any level. My name is Sam Adams, I'm known as The Real Life Coach, I'm a business owner and a life coach who works with sports professionals, whether that's athletes, coaches and people in and around the sporting industry. And I help those people live more expansively, authentically, so that they can enhance their performance, whether that's playing their game or living their real life. My background is business, really. I've been in business for over 20 years in property, and I've mentored in that industry and coached, and that led me into life coaching, and then that led me into working with people in sport basically because I'm passionate about sport. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the hits in sport. We're going to talk about the real life behind the scenes, what it takes to be a professional athlete. We're going to have the latest news. We're going to have some discussions. I'm also going to share with you my experiences of coaching elite athletes. We will have some amazing guests, and they will be talking about the glamour and the glory, the medals, the achievements, the titles, but we'll also go behind the scenes to find out what it really takes, the grit and the grind, what it takes to excel as an elite athlete. For yourself, the listener, what I promise you is that you're going to get some great takeaways and insight from these podcast episodes. Whether you're looking to achieve or improve your mindset, it'll help you with your personal development and it will give you that extra bit of insight and what it takes to be a high achiever. Also, I'd love for you to do me a big favor when you get to the end of this episode, or any episode, is leave a review. Leave me a five-star review, and I will be eternally grateful. So here we go, The Real Life Sports Show. So welcome everybody to another edition of The Real Life Sports Show. Something a little bit different for you today um which I'm really excited about um just before we head on there um just give myself a small introduction my name is Sam Adams you probably know that because you've clicked on this podcast uh, aka the real life coach I work with uh, sports professionals and high achievers helping them connect with who they really are in order to bring out the best in themselves on and off the field or pitch or wherever they play their sport I'm super passionate about the inclusion of women in sport and in the media and equal pay and all of those things that us women have to suffer those burdens about right now. (laughs) But we won't go into all of that today. I'm really excited to to welcome my guest today. Um, Former chairman of Microsoft, worked for Microsoft for uh, for 22 years. Uh, I think about eight of those as chairman. Now a global strategist, a best-selling author, and a coach to gold medal Olympic winners uh, and more. So, welcome Jan Mulphy. I hope I've got surname right again.
1: That's okay. Yeah, it's a very you know tough to pronounce it. Jan Mulphy is the right you know, Jan- but it's Jan- a German name. You know, I struggle after fifty nine years. I still struggle. <laughs> so, thanks Sam for some, thanks then for having me. Thank you. Like,
0: I was just gonna say, you're not fifty nine. Y- you look so good.
1: Hey, you know, my slogan for my life 60 is new 40. Yeah, I (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to say when I'm 80. You know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) when I turned 50 a few years ago, I was like, No, the 50s are new 30.
1: (laughs) Uh, Exactly, exactly. And
0: it's all about how you feel, right? Yes,
1: absolutely. absolutely.
0: You know, time was made up by man, it's just it's
1: chronological time it's not biological age you know
0: exactly exactly well Jan, i really appreciate you um giving up your time we were fortunate uh, enough to meet in a clubhouse room where everyone right. needs to be spending a large amount of their time and um we're fortunate well i feel very fortunate that i hosted a room with you around unlocking human potential last saturday uh sunday um so What I really, obviously, because this podcast is is really about sport. It's about what it takes for an athlete to to be elite, to be at the top of their game, and so that's really what I want to talk to you about. But of course, because you have been the chairman of Microsoft for Europe, we probably can't not get away with not even talking about that. Um, So we'll do that towards the end if that's okay with you.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely.
0: So tell me, um, because before you joined Microsoft. Uh, and I, I might be wrong here, but you were a professional tennis player,
1: right? Absolutely. I played for 10 years, like National League. I played at uh, that era, you know, Ivan Landl, Mechis, that was another, at uh, that time, Czechoslovakian player. So we, we've got some good, like Martina Navratilova, she's older than me, some good uh, players. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, and I do sport all my life. And, you know, in tennis, what I learned, and then I, and I use it in business in life and in business and in tennis you play till the last ball that's number one right number two you are on your own because you know you are on your own at the tennis court and then the third thing those moments between the balls which means like having a rest is as much as important as you know play those balls right and uh, and then i spent 22 years in in microsoft and i learned a lot i mean obviously i was Working with 10 years with Bill Gates, you know, uh, one of the top performers of the human history at all. So I know what is top performing. I was four years in a row, best performing manager, in fact, in the the company or my region was best performing region. But then I failed. Basically, I was deeply depressed 2011, you know, 2012. And I learned so much how your brain works, where you, you are on the top of the global economy. But when I was like more or less dying for two months, I was in the mental hospital for three months, six months, like out of the Microsoft. So I learned a lot about brain. And then I spent another three years in Microsoft. And then I retired, you know. And then I met first, you know, my, you know, uh, athlete I was coaching was David Swoboda, Olympic Games winner in modern pentathlon, right? And I started with David. And then I started to be the mental coach for the whole, Czech Olympic top team because I learned so much. I mean, I was still, you know, athlete in my, you know, when I was young. Then I learned so much in the business. And because, you know, brain doesn't distinguish whether it's business or sport, mental toughness, for example, it's still the same. So, yeah, that's what I do now. I've like studied to, uh, you know, uh, athletes, you know, for coaching. I coach Olympic sports, I but I coach also, for, for example, Patrick Schick, who is one of the best players now in Bundesliga. So I, I coach also like soccer players.
0: Yeah, awesome. So tell me a little bit more about, because I imagine that when you played tennis back in the day, and Martin and Ataleva, I just have to like, total legend in my eyes. Absolutely. Um What was it like compared to now? Because obviously you now see it on the other side, you know, coaching and supporting athletes. But what was it like for you you know, then, because I'm sensing that you learn a lot more about mental toughness because of what happened to you during your time at Microsoft than actually when you were an athlete. Yeah. So, what... What? sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, you know, first of all, all sports are much faster than when I was, you know, young, <laughs> which is like, whatever, 40 years ago. If you watch, you know, Wimbledon, you know, 1973, uh, Jan Kodesh, who was the Czechoslovakian player, I just met him recently hmm. again. He won Wimbledon. So it was like the game was kind of the slow if you compare it to Nadal and Federer. Right? Yeah. Uh, right. I have yeah, I have Yeri Lehecka, who is you know number six in the category up to the you know 19 years old. And uh, uh you know he plays like uh, you know it's so fast, you know I play with him a bit but you know he's so fast that's so fast that you need to adjust you know right So it's a, it's fast and it's tennis, it's really the game of you know mental, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a recent interview uh, Dominic Gerbati, he finished his career 2007 and he was kind of you know very good. He was number 12 in his career. It, it, but he was very good when playing with number one. His score with Federer is three to one, for example. Oh, really? with, absolutely. With Nadal two to one. With uh, Djokovic one one, with Murray one zero. Okay. His coach was, you know, Marian Vajda, who basically celebrates today, you know, birthday. But Marian Vajda is is Djokovic's coach, yeah, you know, no now, right? right? No, you, you probably know the guy. Yeah. So, uh, and it, it, the, the tennis, it, it's really about, you know, your mental toughness. And those three players, like Djokovic, Nadal and Federer, I think they are so good. The other players are able to beat them, but out of the Grand Slam, usually. Okay, because they play so many grand slams, so they know how to play. It's sitting in their subconsciousness, in the long-term memory, how to play those tournaments, and that's why they are so good. Even though uh, Federer is 39 now, right? It's amazing, you know. Those three, what they can, you know, do. So, Djokovic is saying, for example, that. You know, top 100, more or less. If you take like forehand, backhand, serve or whatever, more or less is the same. The real difference is your, you know, ability to play under, you know, really uh, tough mental conditions. And and this is it. And that's what you know they can uh, they can do those three. And uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, young players can learn from. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think you know. And you hear it in commentary, and you know, I watch a lot of tennis. Tennis, I love all sport, but tennis is my favorite. But you know, by far, I watch a lot of tennis, and it is those oh, small, nice. small bits, isn't it? It's just there's not much, you know. And I, no, there are a
1: couple of, of there are always a couple of balls, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the best players, they they are able to concentrate on those, you know, balls, right? And and that's how they are, you know, winning. If you think about tennis, right? It's like 128 players, okay, there's only one winner. So there's 127 losers. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. So you need to have because look, some of my you know, tennis players that are telling me, like, hey, you know, I need to be ready to lose all the time. <laughs> right. And and proper and what is another thing, what I learned, you know, is that if you are in the final, you know, it is the same in all sports. If you are in the final and you are like losing, you are the most disappointed person. You know, yeah. because it's it's like psychologically, you know, during that day, it's better to have a bronze medal to be third than second. Really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? yeah because uh this is it because if you are third you are still probably winner because you won your last game or you know whatever your last yeah. match if you are second you lost and there was yeah. a final so it's it's interesting you know what uh, what is happening in your brain absolutely yeah it
0: is do you you know when you were playing back in the day what what sort of what physical training did you did you have to do, and what was there sort of mental toughness training? What was there much of that around in your day?
1: There was uh, zero mental toughness training, <laughs> <laughs> no really, nothing like. Well, we've got probably once during the season some psychologist was coming and say, hey, you know, this is important, right? That nothing yeah. like what I do now, like almost day to day coaching. But then. You know, the Czechoslovakian tennis school was quite sophisticated even d- during the communist era. And it is still, we have a couple of women in first top 100. Men are not that great. We have only Vesely now in top 100, you know, but I think we have a lot of promising, you know, young young guys. So we we've got, it was interesting because, you know, Ice hockey is very traditional in Czechoslovakia at the time now Czech Republic. So we've got it like, you know, another sport, right? Because the ice hockey, it's not, it's different from tennis, but you move in the similar, you know, way, right? Number one. And then number two, it's like, you know, complementary to tennis. So usually what we were doing, we were like playing, you know, very hard during the summer and the spring. And then during the winter, we train, you know, there were some tournaments, but we were also playing ice hockey, you know, right? And typically what what would be like my day when I was like junior tennis player, we would train in the morning before the school, like for two hours, and I was tennis. And then in the the afternoon, we would have like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, some physical exercise, maybe running uh, some, you know, weights or whatever another two hours playing so it was like five hours you know together more or less, I don't think that today players probably play you know during the training days four hours three and a half four hours stuff like that you know but but when I when I think it really it's really very different now it's recovery recovery in in sport now it's a real science you know yeah, right? it is, that's yeah. a huge that's a huge thing you know. Uh, ice bath you know massage physio everything you know right yeah so yeah that's uh you know the the sport what was the is more...
0: recovery back in the day then
1: <laughs> well the recovery would be like you know massage and some sauna which is very popular though like uh, because we have such sometimes in Czech we have tough winter this winter was also relatively tough so that's why sauna was good no today, You have all, you know, equipments are, you know, right. So it's uncomparable. but also like, you know, on the, on the mental toughness side, the thing is uh, some, four years ago, we didn't know that much about brain. For example, when I was in the school, Mm -hmm. we learned that, Hey, those are the genes, genes, genes are the genes, you know, forget it. You know, you, you cannot influence it. And then epigenetics came. Okay that you can influence through, you know, the, your behavior, the way you think, what do you do, you can really influence your genes. Yeah. And yeah. DNA is a code, and you can, you know, unlock that code through your behavior. And that's why, thanks to the, it, it's funny, but the computers are coming together with sport. Thanks to the computers, thanks to the computing power, the last 10 years, we learned so much about our brain that today we are, you know, able to figure out, you know, how to get in the flow, how to get in the zone, how to stay in the zone, what should be like internal dialogue, visualization, breathing exercise, and all of that, uh, you know, stuff. So it is amazing what what we learn about the brain, you know, last, uh, say, 10, 15 years. And and I'm I'm very optimistic we will learn more and more. But if if you think about it, what is happening today, best neuroscientists, okay, they are like every year talking to Dalai Lama. Because what, you know, Buddha said and two and a half, uh, half thousand years ago, we are, thanks to the computing power, we figured out it's true. When I was in the school, we learned that your brain is influencing your thinking. One-way street, okay? Yeah. But now it's clear that your thinking, your thoughts are influencing your brain. It's called neuroplasticity. Yeah. Which means... If you look at Federer, and that, that's what I'm telling my, to my, uh, you know, tennis players who are like nervous, you know, and, and sometimes shouting, whatever. I said, look at the Federer on YouTube when he was like 15. He was like, yeah. throw his rocket, he everybody. Was a rock. yeah, he was Come a on, you know, like and now that. it's absolutely cool. Now, that's neuroplasticity. You can train it. Your yeah. brain is neuroplastic, which means that those synapses connecting your neurons can be rewired and so there are there are huge you know things that's why the mental toughness mental what is mental toughness mental toughness it's your ability not only to get to the zone but to stay in the zone even during the tough you know yeah. conditions that's absolutely. mental toughness absolutely
0: i mean federer is like you know i oh. watched federer as a young man oh. and i've seen lots of videos of him you know an ang- very angry young man and um i would love to have a conversation with him about <laughs> what he, what it took to to become this ice cool character that doesn't really show a lot of expression on the court, um, and how long it took him? Because you know, I don't know that it, it was just a flip of a switch. It was a process. I'm sure.
1: No, it's um, a, it is a process. Yeah.
0: So I would love to have that conversation with him. But that is like you're right. It's a classic example of um, there are
1: there are a couple of things I think which played a key role in his career. Obviously. He got, you know, some coaching how to cool down and how to be more mentally tough, and then he met it. And his wife, she's coming. Mirka is coming from Slovakia, and she's very like, you know. I think she cooled him down also. She helped him a lot because she was also professional tennis player. She was. They play. They play for Switzerland together. That's it. They they met, you know. In fact, right. And so she's like. Uh, his his wife, obviously, but also his right hand, and is is. I think it, she is playing the key role in uh, in his success. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I think um, you know, Djokovic, used to be a bit of a joker, didn't he? He used to fool around a lot and um, muck about a lot on the tennis court. But a lot of that for him, he changed as well, and he oh, yeah. he cut that out of his game. And and again, all the. He can lose his cool a little bit, but um, I noticed that he changed as well.
1: Oh, Um, big time, big time. I think in Djokovic's case, he started to meditate. He's also doing, you know, Wim Hof method. That's what I do. I just did recently some video for Wim. Uh, Wim Hof is, uh, they call him Iceman, and he's basically combining (laughs) ice water, you know, cold water with the breathing exercise lowering your you know ph and lowering your like inflammation improving your immunity and it's a good for you know uh for, for for athletes also dan Djokovic, as you know is a he's a vegan it's also yes. i think helping him for his particular case and he cooled down i to be honest like 10-15 years ago i mean i didn't like what he was doing like he was pretending that he's injured taking some time yes. off and then he was not injured you know I remember one match against, you know, with Czech Republic, you know, Serbia, Czech Republic. And he was playing with Tomáš Berdik, okay? And Berdik was, like, winning the match. I think it was a 2-1 or whatever. And, you know, Djokovic was like, oh, I'm injured, you know, whatever. And he was not injured, right? He just like, took, like, 15 minutes break, cut, you know, uh, cut uh, Tomáš Berdik from the momentum. Did, I didn't, I, and I think he stopped to do this, it, which is good, you know, right?
0: Yeah. He used to do a lot of fooling around. He had a lot of antics
1: going on. That's for oh, sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. On so, the other hand, on the other hand, if you if you take like his mental toughness, right? If you listen to him, he was as like 12 years old. He was training and you know like NATO was bombarding Belgrade. So you so, saw for example, if you, yeah. you know, uh I look at some uh, YouTube videos, he's saying there, hey I was training with my coach, and the coach said, Half an hour from now, there's a bombing. We need to go and you know, uh, uh to the shelter, right? Yeah, so it is where the mental toughness is also created during those tough, you know, times. Yeah. So, you have, you have a dog or the cat there, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: dog is, she's a puppy and she's creating havoc. Oh, well,
1: <laughs> we have a Bichon, we have also Bichon dog, you know, it's oh, a small, really? yeah, it's small. nice dog.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. So t- t- tell me, obviously now you're coaching athletes, you know, right. uh, Olympic winners, um, which is amazing. Tell me a little bit about, you, you know, maybe some of that, how that works, the methods that you use. Okay, Did perfect. you learn from, was it Microsoft stuff that led you on a journey to do that and, and a little bit around that?
1: Yeah, obviously, I've got a lot of experience from Microsoft and from my own life because I was on, on the top and then I was depressed. So and I created some models based on that. But then I've got some formal education. I, you know, formally certified like six years ago, there's a in London there is a company called Mail Campbell, and there, there's all like international coach certifications, stuff like that. They are very close to Harvard, you know, McLean, where I'm fellow at Harvard McLean International Coaching Institute. And then I was I was at the training with, you know, online training with FC Barcelona and with people like Stephen Kotler, you know. So I, I'm learning a lot, you know. So yes. now how it now how it works, okay. Give you one example with uh, with Patrick Schick, for example. Patrick came to me. In fact, I, I put when you know Ronaldo, Ronaldo was kicking penalty at the World Championship. I put something, you know, on on Instagram, what is happening in his you know, brain and stuff like that. So I got like in one out of five thousand people watching. But anyway. So and Patrick came to me. He was he was they paid for him. At that time he was playing for AS Rome. They pay for him 42 million euros, okay? And he played against Juventus and he was like alone against the, you know, Juventus goalie and he didn't score. He just hit the goalie, you know, right? Yes. And in his brain was terrible. There was a bad press, you know, that the, 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 the there was a bet at the studio, stadium and so on. And he came to me and he said, what, well, what, you know, uh, can we do, and I said, we will do, you know, reframing. So you need to, this is particularly, you know, case. Usually, you know, athletes are coming to me if they have some issues. Very rarely, sometimes they are coming like proactively. But if they have yeah. some issues, majority are coming. And it's maybe sometimes, you know, late. But anyway, with Patrick, we really reframe it. So we visualize, he visualized like, basically he repaired it in, in his long-term memory because whatever is happening in your life, it's going to the subconsciousness, to long-term memory. So if you have some, you know, quote, quote, traumatic experience, like not scoring against Juventus and some bad press or whatever, you need to replay it again, you know, and yeah. basically correct that picture, right? And that's exactly what he did. And then we, we play. he played for the national team, for the Czech national team against Bulgaria. He scored two goals. We won two to one. And the second goal was like with Juventus, but he he scored right. Uh, so in his really brain he he changed it. Yeah. So that's kind of what I what I call like acute help. Okay, if, if they need acute help. But because with him it's it's almost like three years now. What we do at the beginning? I'm using StrengthsFinder Finder test, which is like. General test for the general talents, whether you are like strategic thinker, analytical, empathic and so on. So I can figure out, you know, who that person is and it's giving them also some frame. It's a test, uh, test called finder, It's from Gallup. That's number one. Number two, I can also figure out how they view the world, how they view the other people and so on. Like under what is their perception of the, you know, reality, right? And that's where we we can, we can are starting to work together because I know like how to do, for example, with, with Patrick, he got one talent, Relator, which is like empathic, but yeah. only you are empathical, but only... Towards the couple of people, not to everybody. So yes. he needs to like if he's changing the club, he needs to get immediately and get some good relationship with the other people to play well, right? He's so he is, he is very sensitive to that. And he, he mentioned it even in some you know interview that we really use it you know very well when he was moving from Italy to, to Bundesliga. Okay. So this is it, this is this is what we do at the beginning to understand each other and then. I have like around 200 different techniques for the mental toughness. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm like Chinese menu because each and every based on what I learn about that person, give you what. If somebody is like strategic, futuristic, which means like strategy and division, it's more like me, and then it can can be more like, you know, canopy be helicopter exercises more, you know, broader and so on. If somebody is analytical, it needs to be very detailed. You know what I mean, yeah. right? In a very yeah. detailed way. And yeah. that's why it's so many, right? But in general, what you can do, mental toughness is about three things. It's about your body. So there's a lot of techniques, you know, right? how to, how to, you know, uh, manage your body language. Because body language can help you. Uh, But it can, you know, put you down. Because if you go like that, you know, with the shoulders down and your head down, it's immediately translated by your brain, hey, something is wrong. And cortisol cortisol is lowering your performance. If you go like that, you know, right, it's called power posing. You know, your testosterone goes up 18% and cortisol goes down 14%. Okay. So what is the first thing? The second thing, and it's very much underestimated by, you know, athletes, it's breathing, okay? Breathing is key because mm-hmm. a lot of athletes are breathing in the wrong way and that's not good. For example, one thing, if you breathe in, a lot of people are breathing out only shortly, like, and again, not enough. What is wrong with it? You need to breathe Your breathing out needs to be a little bit longer because hemoglobin, which is, distrib- who is, which is distributing the uh, oxygen in your blood needs to have a, some level of CO two, and that's why if the breathing out should be a little bit, you know, longer. Otherwise, your energy goes down. And those are like three tip and tricks which are helping a lot. So we said, body. That's that's what what is one category of the exercises. The other is breathing, and the last it's obviously your mind, because you can keep only one thought at in you know in your in your mind. And this is like visualization, internal dialogue, you know, mantras, all, all of that, you know, right? So it's it's a combination, uh, and I have a lot of techniques because I also use uh, Mark Divine is the guy who was, you know, tr- uh, for 20 years in U.S. Navy in SEAL operation, and he's doing a lot of like breathing techniques and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm I th- really try not to get only like help. From the other, you know, mental coaches from the sport, yeah. but also for people like military, you know, people from military from yeah. the army, because that's a, that's a real, you know, mental toughness. Tough, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and 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 from the from the business, right, and from the other from the other coaches, but in general, this is what I do, right, and if and what we what we do usually, if, if for example, if Patrick is playing, you know, Bundesliga matches, right. We have like after the match, we have a coaching session talking about the match, and he needs to tell me what was happening on the field and what was happening in his brain. Couple of you know points like, hey, this is what happened in the field. This is what was happening in my brain. Yeah. For example, we one of his talent is deliberative. Okay, and he was he was like unhappy that he was not scoring enough by head. Like when he was jumping, he was not able to score all the time. Okay, and I said, "Let's you, you Patrick, you have a talent deliberative, which means like you should measure twice and cut, you know, once, right?" He's like, "He's that guy who can jump in just in time, not too early, not too late." Okay, so we use that. I said, "You need to rewire your brain." that first, you need to win that competition who will jump the highest, okay? And then the second competition is about scoring. Yeah, And that that helped him a lot. So you need to be a bit also creative how you, you know, deploy those general talents. But uh, uh, this is what I do. Because if the athlete understand, hey, this is what what was happening on the field or during the race, and this is what was happening in my brain, that's a good, you know, way. It's like step-by-step process. You need to move. I work, for example, with the Czech national triathlon, you know, team. And and those guys, triathlon is a, it's really tough. And what what I try to teach them, hey, you need to go because, like, you know, the, the run is the last one and they are really exhausted. Yeah. I you should not think about finishing. You should think about one step after the other. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. It's a progress. Yeah. And if you do the progress, then nice, you know, uh, Piece of dopamine is released, and dopamine is like rewarding you a bit. You feel good, but dopamine will also help you to have energy to to continue, right? So yeah, this is what uh, what we do. So I'm like coaching them on their the situation, and then I try basically to teach them some new techniques so they can figure out, you know. And some of those guys, because they studied psychology or you know sport and psychology they are really like very much interested, you know, to go even deeper. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Do you, you know, obviously, you, I know you do other coaching as well. Um, it's not just um, uh, in sports field, but obviously that what happened to you at Microsoft, was that really the start of um, learning about the brain and using some of that in, in what you do now? Was that, was that, does that
1: stick yeah, that? yeah, Some Yeah, uh, look, I was, I was, you know, when I was in Microsoft, I was always like, you know, looking at success. I said, well, suck. if uh, people are long-term successful, they are also happy, and that's my first book, you know, Positive Leader, pretty much, because the Positive Leader is about the fact that if you love what you do, if you have a meaning in your life, if that that activity, what you do? It's your meaning then you know you have long-term success it's kind of the you know uh balance between success and happiness right because Bill Gates when I when I work with him he was telling me hey I you know like software so much and all of that innovation so much the fact that I became richest person in the world it was just side was just the side effect nice side effect okay. yeah. <laughs> right for sure but uh, yeah so I learned a lot in terms of like marketing, how to, you know, lead people, how to inspire people and so on. Brain, to be very honest, when I recover after depression, I, because I'm very, you know, logical and rational guy.
0: Yeah.
1: I try to learn why did it happen to me because it was not genetical. Yeah. So yeah. it was clear I was not having enough, you know, mental rest. I was like having good physical rest, but not enough mental rest. And then I, then I started to study like, you know, what amygdala is doing in your brain and, and so on. So it was, yeah, probably the trigger was really my depression. And, and then obviously when when I left Microsoft, I learned already in Microsoft a lot, but I, when I left Microsoft, I got enough time to learn from the from the best people. <laughs> so.
0: Amazing, yeah, absolutely amazing. Was it, you know, I don't. Was it a conscious decision to leave Microsoft and sort of pursue coaching and things like that? How? Oh yeah, was I. Just. I was offered. The, time?
1: I was offered. I mean, no, nobody was like pushing me or whatever. I was offered a worldwide job, but I was there only twenty-two years, so it was a long time. And then what happened? My dad died, and I, fortunately, I was with him, you know, and I was like, hey, uh, because my dad was interesting story. When I was 19 years old, I've got, like, application to be, you know, to study and be tennis coach, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. And and my dad came to me and said, Jan, you, you also like computers, and those computers will once change totally, you know, what we are doing. And in 1981, you know, are not that many computers yet and I was and he was not pushing me he was like like coach you know right hey this is it have more options right and uh, and I was thinking and then basically I said this right you know I'm not like tennis superstar a B you know uh, I like computers and that's why I you know change it and uh, you know I studied computers right that was the reason and when when back when my when my dad was dying in my brain, it was like, "Hey, I spent half of my like career or whatever you call it, you know, yeah. with computers. Now it's a time to do something else, you know, right?" Yeah. And I was offered. I was offered to have like worldwide job to I'm move sure. to, <laughs> to Seattle and so on. And then I talked to Jean-Philippe Courtois, friend, great friend of mine, who was my uh, uh, boss for fifteen years. is uh, now Microsoft president. Uh, yeah. And then I, then I, then I move on. Yeah. But at the beginning, you know, I was like sitting in a couple, I was even chairing some boards. I was doing some uh, jobs with startups and, and coaching executives. And I created my training, Unlocking Human Potential, mm-hmm. which was taught so far in 19 countries. But then I started to work. In fact, here's a funny story because before I started to work with athletes, I worked with beauty queens for three years. No oh. kidding. <laughs> no kidding How did that
0: because,
1: How did that... uh, no kidding be, be, <laughs> because somebody asked me if because they need to like if they qualify for a word like you know the 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 miss miss ward for example competition yeah, they have yeah. like two minutes they have two minutes in front of the jury to talk and so on so that that was the reason why and there in the in the in the in the in the jury you know of the czech competition i met uh uh i met uh, you know uh David Svoboda, that, that, that was the guy who won Olympic games, yeah. and that's we started to work together. So that was the that was with the sport. But then I also we started with my counterpart with Katka. We started to teach courses called Unlocking Children Potential. Yeah, it's about you know helping kids with self awareness, you know, and what they can do in their life and so on. Pretty much what I do with the adults, and so far. It's like 6,000 kids and 7,000 parents went through wow. that course. It's amazing. So if you would ask me six years ago, Jan, you will be like, you know, mental coach for the Czech Olympic top team and you will teach kids? I would say no way, you know. And obviously <laughs> I do a lot. I do a lot of things with the corporations. That's, I must say, I, I coach a lot of people from like who are running banks and, you know, yeah. it's like the lady uh, Diana, she is running the region office of Deloitte, for example, and 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 all of other things. Yes, yeah. but yeah.
0: Which I mean, if you if there was a choice and like it was like right, you've either got to do sport or you've got to do corporation coaching. You know, coaching these leaders, athletes or corporate leaders. Which would you pick?
1: <laughs> That's I. And I would have only one choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's tough one. That's tough. you know what I would I would pick up you know athletes, but I will have, I would help them because there is always dual career, the second career. So I would coach them like for the sport, but also for the second career. That's what I would do.
0: <laughs> That's really. Clever. By the way,
1: by the way, Sam, there is a and it's it's a real issue, you know, because yeah. uh, international. I I am working also in uh, there is an international you know Olympic Committee program called dual career. Yeah, like preparing, you know, athletes for the uh, next next step, you know, right? And because in some cases it's a problem, they are like thirty-five, so it's good. I'm encouraging them to study, you know, and getting ready because there's always tomorrow, and unless you are like top, you know, soccer player or top tennis player or golfer those other main, even if you are winning today Olympic Games in track and field, for example, right? I mean, you need to, if you are Usain Bolt, that's a different category, right? But if you are like, you know, one time Olympic winner or whatever, so you need to have, a, you know, a uh, career. Like, definitely.
0: The work that I now do, um, um, I did, actually did a workshop at, for an international football association on Monday and we were talking to the okay. younger footballers about identity because it's very easy to get lost in the identity of a footballer or a tennis player. Yeah.
1: And do you Sam, um, do, do you work also with the Premier League Foundation? Because they have programs for the kids, you know, and no, stuff. I don't.
0: No. No, no, okay. no, But I hope, you know, normally like Monday, I like I said I did this workshop for some of the younger players and I absolutely enjoyed it. I really enjoyed working with the young lads. So it's right. definitely something that I want to do more of because um normally it's you know athletes that are current, or they're coming to the end of their career. But sure. I think some of the issue is, and, and I've spoken to a lot of sports people, is, you know, they lose their... They see themselves as, right, like... Do you know Rhys Thomas? I don't know if you know Reese.
1: Probably he, not.
0: He's a, a rugby player. So he was an international rugby player. And I've had... He was on my podcast, and we talked about that. And he just saw okay. himself as this elite athlete, rugby player, everyone adored him, you know what I mean, it was adoration here, there and everywhere the rest of his life was a complete mess because he just saw himself as a, his identity was as this rugby player, this world class rugby player, so as and he got a career ending injury actually, and, and of course he he didn't know who he was, he literally had no clue how to manage life or to manage outside of sport, and that's a big issue I think for a lot of Um, elite uh, athletes losing themselves you know focus but we have to have other aspects of life you know a a partner kids family other things that we enjoy doing to help us be a a, a, an all-round well-rounded individual because how you are outside of your sport impacts how you are in your sport right
1: yeah i think it's important to work with them even if they are like 20 22 years old yeah. so they you know study something and yeah. they they see what they can do okay for example in czech now we have a program for you know athletes because czech republic is underrepresented in like international federation so it's like sport diplomacy and obviously but for that you need to know english right then uh, yeah. or some other you know uh, language so it's it's for some, you know, uh, athletes, star. But anyway, it's good, and I, I, I'm glad that finally, you know, institutions like International Olympic Committee and others are taking care of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There, there does seem to be a lot more thinking around some of that those areas, and and it's super right. important. So yeah, it's really good to to see that happening, and there's a bit more joined up thinking, as I call it. Um, I'm really conscious of the time so i want to just before maybe just touch on microsoft obviously because you have sure. obviously 22 years of your life there everybody's heard of microsoft you know what was it like uh, i guess working within microsoft and obviously what did you i guess what was the three things you learned from being a as part as part of the biggest corporation in the world and working with the richest man in the world what what did you learn yeah. from that
1: look i during my 22 years. I think we changed the world basically. When I when I came there, there was this you know vision computer at every desk, you know. And today, you have many computers in your <laughs> desk, right? That that's and and we changed the world for the for the better. Obviously, there are other companies like Apple, Steve Jobs. Unfortunately, is not anymore with us, but a fantastic you know company and 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 other other folks like Google. It's a different and. Then, facebook and others you know right mm-hmm. but i think uh, steve jobs and bill gates they are really like different you know caliber guys yeah. you know uh in microsoft couple of things which i really love and what was also kind of from uh from sport you know right number one never give up you know microsoft very rarely with the first version of the product would be like you know number one or whatever we, but we never give up we were like improving improving it's what but uh, Carol Dweck calls, you know, growth mindset. That was it. I was yeah. in the growth mindset company for 22 years, and it's clear. If you take Microsoft, is a huge company, and if you if you take like how dynamically, like was you know Microsoft stock, for example, growing, which means that there is a lot of you know good stuff happening in the company, a lot of good products, right? So never give up. That was that's one. Mm-hmm. The other one, and that's like from Bill, whenever, you know, I didn't know whether I should do it or not, you know, right? I was like hesitant. Bill Gates was always telling us, if you don't know whether you should do it or not, just do it. You know, you can always ask for forgiveness. Okay. So and wow, that's, like, brilliant. that's a great that. thing. It's like safety net, if you will. That's the yeah. way how you work. I mean, you you can, if you do like, look, when I, I when I was a top manager, And I was doing 10 decisions. Probably seven were good, two were okay-ish, and one was a fuck-up, you know, right? (laughs) And you need to have somebody close close to you who will, you know, tell you, hey, Jan, this is not good, you know, right? That's why feedback is important, you know. That's why I hate, I don't like if people are like, yes, yes, Jan, yes, Jan, no. You don't want to have a yes, man. Argument is a great thing. We can still be friends, like Sam and Jan, yeah. But we can have an argument. Absolutely, argument is helping us to move ahead. Okay, that's that was the second thing. And the last point, which was which is quite interesting, and it it's kind of you know uh, maybe sounds contradictory. Success is a very lousy teacher. That's that's what what Bill Gates was always telling us. That you need to still be kind of the you know a uh, bit uh, you know aware of what's going on around you. Yeah. Right, because if you, it's true if you are and, you know if you are not successful if there are, if you made some mistake, you know there is a lot of you know uh, adrenaline release and, and basically adrenaline say hey you need to pay attention you need to pay attention and, and in fact today scientists figure out that you know if you are making some mistakes you are learning fastest you know right yeah. this is it. The the thing is, and that's what I realized, your subconsciousness, you know, it's so important because brain works like, okay, brain is not reacting, brain is predicting, okay? And which means basically your senses are, you know, bringing you some experience, okay? Then the amygdala, the the emotional part of the brain, which needs to control everything, if it's, you know, dangerous or not, is asking your subconscious, hey, what what should we do? And then your brain is not reacting to the situation but taking from your long-term memory very similar or maybe almost the same, you know, experience from the past. Brain is budgeting energy for for the whole, you know, body. And this is what brain does, which means that your subconsciousness, your long-term memory is very important. Mm. This is why whatever you are putting there, it's important. What, if the good things are happening in your life, fine. You put it like... Hey, I win, you know, and you learn from that. But if there's some mistake, or especially in the sport, you lose, and you are still like, I should not have done that. It was bad, and it goes like in the circles. You suffer first when you lose uh, the court or the, you know, whatever during the race, and you suffer second time whenever you remember that experience. Okay, yeah. that's bad. It's it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. You are stressful whenever you remember that experience. You yes. can do it differently. What I call like you need to accept what happened because it's in the past. You know, you yes. cannot change it. You need to learn from it. So you will not change, hey, I lost. Yeah. But you will change that, you know, emotional surroundings. There will be no more like fear or whatever around it. Okay. And you need to forgive yourself. And this is the way how you you, you know, learn from your mistakes, and you you can put the good stuff in your subconsciousness if you are not able basically to accept uh, uh, that you lost and there will be a lot of experiences like that, you will not be able to play in the zone for a long time because whenever your brain will remember that, it will be like trauma and immediately, ah, that was the last time and now I'm losing again and it will go like the whole story, right? So, you know, you need to be careful and you need to be also careful with that internal dialogue what you are like, you know, it should be positive or at least neutral. You yeah. should not, I mean, there are players who are like, you know, losing uh, in the second round at the Grand Slam, saying like, hey, I don't like tournaments which are, you know, longer than one week, which means those are like all Grand Slams, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is this, this is officially said at the press conference and that's what you are putting in your subconsciousness. I hate it, you know, right here. Yeah. Then then whenever you are there in that situation, where is a tough situation, your brain will not help you, it will, it will go against you, you know. Yeah, right? So,
0: absolutely. Yeah, that's brilliant, Jan. Do you know what? I, I could honestly talk to you for hours. <laughs> it's just, you blow my mind with your knowledge of what you come out with. It's incredible. But I, I'm a conscious of time, so I'm just no going to finish up with um, one last question, really. Sure. And, and I guess it's just, just who you are outside of business and coaching you know what do you what do you like to do in your spare time who are you outside yeah. of business look
1: i'm the, look i'm the guy I, I obviously got a huge career you know no doubts i fell down i get up again you know yeah but uh, you know i'm the guy who basically lived for 20 years in the village you know right so hey i was almost fired from the university and the last point you know my first job, I was a receptionist at the hostel, you know, right? So I'm pretty much kind of down to earth guy. I obviously, I mean, I was like economically independent when I was 36 years old, you know, right? Yeah. So, uh, right. So I'm pretty much down to earth. And I like, look, I like sports so much, right? I really love like it. So I move a lot, okay? <laughs> and I, 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 what I do, I do a lot of things pro bono, right? I, I mean, if, If I invoice, prices are high, okay, like corporation. (laughs) (laughs) But I do like I work with the kids from foster homes, you know, right, and uh, with elderly people, for example, right, doing some you know presentations and and speeches for them, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy what I do because in look, somebody asked me what is my meaning. My meaning is to help other people their own meaning to find their own meaning in the life, and that's yeah. a huge meaning, you yeah. know, right? That's a that's a huge meaning because if look, if you understand who you are, then you can understand who you can be. And uh, yeah. and some here is here is my vision. Okay, the world is you know fuck up now, really. But there's a lot of polarization in the world. Okay, yeah. imagine, and I think the key for the polarization is that we don't know each other. If we would understand each other much better you know, there will be much better What? So imagine, and the, the problem is, in my view, we are teaching people what is around them, while we are not teaching people what is inside them. Business schools where I'm, you know, teaching, like in SEAD, Imperial College, you know, having some presentation at Harvard or, you know, uh, MIT, uh, they are teaching, you know, profit. They are not teaching care. By care, I mean care about the other people, care about the planet and so on. That's what we need to do. And imagine if people would be much more self-aware. Because if you want to understand other people, you need to understand who you are to understand yeah. the other guy. This is it, right? Yeah. So my my you know goal, I think, and your goal and other people like us goal is to improve like self-awareness, and we will we will we will have a better planet. I believe it, you know, right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I work. Look, I work with people like Jim Clifton, who is the CEO of Gallup. He's a very good friend of mine. We just had a call two weeks ago. And Jim is the same blood group like me and you. And Gallup is doing, like, every three years, they do some research. And they figure out that there's only 16% people who are engaged in their jobs, who are, like, self-actualized, So, which means that 84% of the people They do some jobs they don't like because they don't understand who they are, you know, right? They just do the jobs, you know, right? And that's what I did. Look, when I was with Microsoft, I basically figured out we help people to figure out who they are. And then, you know, that team, which was 10 years average or below average, suddenly, was for four years best performing team in the world because we took job description and we took, hey, this is who you are. This is your, you know, test strengths finder. Let's marry those two. Let's figure out yeah. how we can use who you are in order to achieve what you want. And, and this is it, you know, that's what we can do.
0: Brilliant. I love that, Jan. And that and that, that resonates so much with the work that I do about, you know, because as, as you know, I'm known as the real life coach and it is about understanding who you are. So that you can be the best that you can be. So that you, you know, I was lost as a human being and, and that's why I do what I do because I just, I just, yeah, I was just lost. And now I really understand who I am. And once I did that work on myself, oh, it, life just got so much better. So and, right. yeah. and, and that's what I want other people to feel that feeling, but hopefully through sport. And I, I loved what you said, if you can understand... If you can understand who you are, you can understand who you can be.
1: Who can absolutely be?
0: Absolutely love that quote, Jan. I've written that down. I am. I'm going to put your name on yeah. it because that's brilliant.
1: Sure. No. 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 Uh, Sam. Here is the. Here is the idea. How about if we do, you know, room, I can invite you, you know, now and mm-hmm. we do the room on self-awareness and we can put there, like if you understand who you yes. are, right? Me yeah. and you, we can do, let's do it. Let's do Let's do room on the self-awareness. Yeah, self-awareness. I will pink you, you know, some dates, whatever. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do
0: let's it. Yeah, do it. Because self-awareness is absolutely key to being your it best, is. Self, it best is. self. It is. Jan, yeah, it's Hold been on. an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. You've been listening to the Real Life Sports Show. I hope you found some value in this free podcast. If you have, then tell someone else about it. And while you're at it, why not leave me a five-star review? Also, you can share it on your socials. You'll mostly find me on Instagram at Sam Adams Coach. Use the hashtag Real Life. You can also check me out at my website, sam-adams.com you're interested in my coaching or have any comments at all then just drop me a dm via instagram and i will get back to you i look at all my messages and i reply to every single one of them